You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? West Dead Air Knife here with always typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2014 found footage film The Houses October Built. Wanana. Awesome. You got the title right. I, I'm so proud of you. High five, sir. <laughs> Half the time I say House October Built yeah. because Houses October Built just sounds stranger to me. I get it. I get it. There are multiple haunts. That's what we're doing. Yeah, but, it's a perfect name for this. When it first first came out, I'll never forget the name, I think, because I was like in love with the title and I was in love with this concept uh, when it was first positioned as a documentary. This film has been on a request for us for uh, several people over the years as we've been doing the show. We get a lot of requests. We don't get a lot of requests, guys. It's a fucking lie. We, we get, get some requests. We get some requests. For this movie. <laughs> for this movie. But this is a great opportunity because uh, this film was not only requested to us by a, a friend of mine named Laura Young. She also provided us with the film itself. This film had been on our list for a little while. Um, we wanted to do it anyways, and then people would kind of chime in with like, hey, what about Houses October Built? And we're like, we're getting to it. But for some reason, it just never materialized. Like, I, like, I never picked it up. You never picked it up. Yeah, it was it, on the list for last year, and then it got ousted. And I was like, well, we can extend Halloween with this film eventually, or have Halloween in July, or like do when we just itching for a Halloween movie, yeah. or something, or heading into Halloween, and yeah. we just never picked it up. And it was supposed to be... In the month of October, but then me, being the fucking diva that I am, bumped it for Blood Rage. Yep. Yep, you did. But that's okay, because Blood Rage was fucking awesome. It was fucking awesome. I knew you'd love it. But we're also going to talk about this one now. We're extending Halloween, because you know what? We're adults, and we can do whatever the fuck we want. Yeah. And people had this blasphemous Halloween weekend, so fuck you guys. (laughs) It's still Halloween. It was Halloween on Monday. Fuck sakes. Like, whatever. Extending Halloween... The Wicked Library episode dropped with a story of mine on it, entitled The Ringer. So if you want to extend Halloween even further, and if you didn't listen to the six hours or so of podcasts that I recommended you listen to, (laughs) including our one and two part Text Chainsaw Massacre that we did for our awesome Halloween, and the Bind Torture cast episode, they have a Poughkeepsie Tapes, their Halloween episode, and an episode uh, me and Chris did a mystery show of Doom with Corpse Party. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so if you didn't get enough guts. For your mm-hmm. Halloween, then you can tune into that. And then, of course, the Wicked Library Halloween episode where Nelson W. Piles reads my story. And I am so grateful to be included in that roster, that anthology, and that tradition that is now the Wicked Library, read aloud in Pittsburgh at Rickard and Beagle Books. And I'm just very, very pleased with it. So please, please tune in. Mm-hmm. If you guys like Lydia's writing at all, but you're like, reading books who's got time for that now you can have someone read it to you hear the dulcet tones of somebody else reading you lydia's words nelson has a great voice too and it is a halloween story so we're still on this extending halloween thing right because instead of sounding like a goon and saying every day is halloween like people tend to say (laughs) not only because it is but 
it's nice to extend the holiday the way that we are because haunts happen specifically around this time but there are year-round haunts there's year-round halloween stuff to be done Mm -hmm. uh you'll hear on the corpse party episode chris was here for the week preceding halloween halloween like because we extend halloween both ways right before (laughs) and after and we'd hit the um hostel jail Mm -hmm. the haunted walk tour and it is that is like halloween all year round to me saunders farm has halloween all year round basically um they had really done up the walk, though, for Halloween, and I was really impressed because I just expected it to be ghosts and gallows, which is fucking terrifying enough and very, very seasonal and horror and Halloween-ish. But they had, like, lights and stuff, and there was a clown, and there was a guy dressed as death, and I was specifically impressed with the clown because not a couple weeks ago, I was told to remove a photo of Pennywise the Clown from a TV guide in light of the recent clown terror attacks in the u.s and canada you got censored i got censored what the fuck clown wise clown censorship yeah probably the most egregious of all censorship so i'm very impressed with the haunted walk and the hostile jail for including a clown in their tour (laughs) against the grain yeah yeah absolutely i mean one of the fun things about halloween that we first of all we can extend it however we want that's a fun thing about halloween it's kind of a loosey-goosey holiday no it's not there's a specific date but there's an attitude that extends beyond that and um just just like celebrating it i feel like when people are like every day is halloween somehow it can seem a little reductive because it's not the point that you love horror every single day or that you like ghosts and goblins and all that kind of stuff every single day. It's that the majority of people don't. And so it's a great opportunity to watch more people celebrate and be into the things that you are. And I'm never that person that's just saying, oh, you guys only care about Halloween for seven days a year. (laughs) Or like you only, like you're trying to like watch horror movies and and you're like, oh, look how hardcore I am. I'm watching like a horror movie like on Halloween. It's so spooky. But I'm like, nah, man, nah, I'm into that. Like the more people that are into our hobby, I'm not covetous. Of, yeah. of horror fans. I know you're like, not. Like, I want everyone to talk about it. And I don't care if you like, in my opinion, lesser horror films or, or lesser examples of the genre. Or even if, if you use Halloween as an excuse to um, to just, like, get super trashed and, and like, it's not really about, like, the, the holiday at all. I don't care. Get Fucking do it. As long as everyone's celebrating the same thing, I don't care how specifically you celebrate it. Yeah, I want to walk out and see everyone feeling spooky. You know what I mean? That's nice, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, when I'm on Facebook, you know, I'm seeing, like, my friends taking their kids out, my niece going out. I love that. That's so fucking fun. You know, yeah, we have our parties and we have our horror marathons and we have all this kind of stuff, but just boiling down to this singular origin point of all just being kids liking horror, going trick-or-treating, carving pumpkins. Mm. That's fucking fantastic to me, right? And I get all excited and I like all the photos and and I get all super into it because everyone looks so cute and I'm just like so fucking into it. Especially when people who are really innocuous and don't really celebrate Halloween, don't really talk about horror, and then they go balls out and they turn themselves into like the Crypt Keeper. And it's like picture perfect or something with the effects. It's wonderful stuff. Or then it goes both ways. You get people like Adam Green, horror filmmaker, uh, spooky guy all year round, talks about horror all the time. Yeah. He tweeted something about putting Halloween decorations away. And I, my first thought was, what, 
they they get put away. What do you mean put <laughs> Halloween decorations away? I know they don't go anywhere. They stay out all year round. To, to but... me, decorating for Halloween literally means I take some things out of my bedroom and I put them in the living room. <laughs> That's me decorating for Halloween. Like I take I take the pumpkin candle holder out of my bedroom and I put it on the coffee table in the living room and I'm like, ah, getting ready for the season. Yeah, there. Now I've, I've spread a little more horror joy. Yeah, I buy one decoration every year, but it's like household stuff, so it's not like Yeah, decoration. well, that's what I like about it. I was like, I, I was like, you go to like the grocery store and it's like, here's some nice mugs and here's some nice like stuff like that you could just, this doesn't have to be like a Halloween decoration. You could just put this out. Like bone saw. Like bone saw. Gang, she's got this fucking plastic skeleton dog that has just been here for... It's a year. It's his... It's, 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 it's his birthday. It's his birthday. Yeah. Say happy birthday, Bonesaw. Oh, happy birthday, Bonesaw. Thank you. Bonesaw <laughs> thanks you. <laughs> Wes just hates him because he has bone ears and he it's not accurate. Yeah, well, it's just like, okay, so... If you die and we rot away and we have a skull, our ears aren't still there. That's the, true. The dog has dog ears. But I guess if he didn't have dog ears, people would be like, what kind of skeleton is that even? I wouldn't be fine with him not having dog ears and make people ask questions. Yeah. Anyway. You know what? He's a good dog. He is a good dog. He's the best dog I ever had. It's great. <laughs> He's guarding my moose spine like a good dog. Good dog. Good dog bone saw. <laughs> so speaking of Halloween and extending it both ways, we both did 31 Days of Halloween. I had done it last year on my blog. Wes did the smart thing and did it on fucking Instagram. And <laughs> I, did, I know yeah. I'm behind. I have them all written up, mm -hmm. but my WordPress app is a bit of a bitch. And typing, for some reason, it like duplicates letters. So what I need to do is just sit down and fix all of the typos. But it's there. I just need to post it. Yeah, yeah. No, I definitely thought I've never done the 31 Days of Horror and every year. I, I used to always think to myself, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that one of these years. I'm going to do that one of these years. Or what I would try to do uh, in the early days of Splatter Pictures, what I honestly wanted to do was have a horror, a written out horror review 31 days of the year, of the month. And that, of course, never manifested. I would have more reviews in October than any other month. Yeah. But, I, but I would never hit 31. It was just too much. Like It was too much to do. 600 to a thousand word review of a film every single day unless i had already prepped it beforehand which of course i never fucking did because i'm a well, bad you'd student want to be watching things that you want to write 600 words about like yeah in my mix i have gore horror i don't have 600 words to write about gore horror yeah i don't want like the t the the box art is fucking fantastic yeah I, that's 200 words, maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah for me i definitely thought that the instagram thing was good uh for two folds one I think that as any horror fan that would be listening to the show would realize, and, and there's all kinds of articles written about this, about how nowadays people spend more time reading and researching their hobbies than actually enjoying their hobbies. And so not only do I kind of want to explore our hobby more by actually watching the fucking movies... Yeah. Um, I also wanted to open the vault a little bit and show our followers what's kind of in my collection what do i have and so i not only wanted to hit some of the bigger horror films that's for my own because there's definitely big horror films that i watch only in october yeah. um this is like their big slasher franchises and stuff like that but also wanted to shed light on some more obscure things some weirder stuff that i have in my collection that people be like oh what's that and 
Uh, yeah, so I, I definitely thought it was really beneficial that way, and I ended up watching a lot more horror, and I definitely did my old standard of knocking off things that I had had in my collection that I've never even watched. Because I figured that you would easily watch a horror movie a day anyway. Uh, yeah, sometimes I can, uh, if it's part of my daily routine, if I'm thinking about it. But there's tons of times where I don't watch a, I don't watch a movie a day, let alone... That's how come when I'm listening to a Bind Torture cast, I'm going to fucking bring up that podcast uh, as a, for a change. <laughs> um, when, when they're rattling off the shit that they watched in the week, I'm like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> do you come and I'm just like where do you find the time and it's like I have the exact same amount of hours in my day that these people do and I do mean these people I I uh, but I just can't seem to I don't even know what I do like sometimes people are like hey Wes what'd you do today I'm like I don't know I guess I <laughs> laid in the bed and stared at the ceiling for a while and I just didn't have a movie on so I decided no I'm going to when I get home from work I'm going to put a movie on and, and don't think about it as, like, because I'm very much, like, I'm so bad at, I don't like to passively watch movies. I like to watch a movie. I like to sit and watch the movie. But if I have other things to do, I don't want to watch a movie because I can't dedicate my attention to it. Now, I was like, just fucking put the movie on. And if you have other things to do, fold laundry or, or, or whatever while you're watching the movie and just make an effort to watch this stuff. And so I did, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's really enjoyable. Even if it's something that you've rewatched, there's a few rewatches on my list. Mm-hmm. Like definitely, there's oh, a few yeah. things that I'd watched uh, along with Chris. There's things that I watched that I'd never seen before. Mm-hmm. Abnormal Beauty comes to mind. That mm-hmm. was a fucking beautiful film, and I actually had to watch that with a, a large break in the middle of it because mm-hmm. I was doing stuff. But I was enraptured by that movie, so it was very easy for me to talk about. And I sometimes wish I could write 600 words, but I want to write about the same blurb for each one. Uh, Instagram makes it easier and that might be what I'll do next year depending because I do like my blog and it is neglected outside of October but yeah yeah, yeah. speaking th- of blogs um, and you had mentioned your bed which made me think of this because um, I started thinking about sponsorship and the website and yeah. all that stuff and we had been discussing earlier um, there'd been a donation to the site there had been a donation to the site so around this time of year is uh, basically when Back in the day when Lydia and I decided to, to turn this into a podcast, and I was like, oh, I'll just put everything on SoundCloud. And then SoundCloud said, you're putting too much stuff on SoundCloud. It'll cost you. And I was like, oh, I did not anticipate that. So October is also when the, the wolves are at our door. And so that's usually when I start posting about, like, and it's so weird because, like, I always feel, I know you feel awkward about asking for money, and I feel awkward about asking for money, but then I kind of, Treated as kind of like internet busking, like we we are busking well, for it's you. Sort of like internet busking, but that donation button has been on Splatter Pictures before it had anything to do with the podcast. That's and true. Yeah, I used to have a donation button on my own site on Nightface, where I would offer signed copies of Nightface or mm-hmm. Pray Light. Wow, I didn't even offer anything. I was just like here. Yeah, no, and that's, it's a, it's recommended for a lot of sites, and more mm-hmm. sites should really do it, because it's sort of like, it's there, you're there if you feel the need to donate, instead yeah. of using Patreon, or getting fucking sponsors, or mentioning it every show, we probably mention it every 20 or 30 shows, which isn't really enough but it's it feels like enough because those who want to give will go looking to do so right? that's true and 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 so far our fan base has been incredibly generous and every time that you guys donate to the show it's a really humbling experience and i really really appreciate it. i know lydia really appreciates it too the, the the amount of time that we put into this kind of stuff it seems weird because we would do it for free anyways 
but it does help. And um, and so, yeah, it was always great. This year, we got very, very close to being 100% donated by you guys. Which is crazy to me because I never really ask about it. It's only when, when Wes goes pale and is like, oh, my shit, someone donated. Someone donated <laughs> to the freaks, show. And, freaks and, me out a little. Yeah, it does freak <laughs> me out a little bit. It's something that's like, you guys don't have to do that. You can donate a dollar. You can donate nothing. Clicking on the show, sharing the show, that helps. And what Laura did, provide us with a film that you want us yeah, to do. which is always really super cool. That's yeah. super cool. Not only, it, it sort of edges us closer to actually doing it, although this one was on the list and we mm. would have been scrambling to mm-hmm. find it. But uh, yeah, that was, that's really thoughtful. Really yeah. Super thoughtful. Yeah. And it keeps, uh, it keeps us from doing um, like, a, like weekly advertisements and stuff oh, like that. Oh, fuck that shit. Yeah. I don't even care. And red apron, you want you want me to cook you a handful of nuts? I'll send that Na- to you. Nature box, you want to do some nature box or Is Audible? Yeah. I use I use Audible. I know you do. I have a Casper mattress. I know you do. I have a Casper mattress. That freaks me out a little bit. No, 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 like it's it shouldn't freak you out. As a matter of fact, how about this, gang? We will send you glossy JPEGs of my Casper mattress. <laughs> Does it have stains on it? It's got some love stains. My balls have touched that mattress. It's like fucking celebrity merchandise at this point. You have just wanted to have pictures of your balls sent out to listeners some way, somehow. I like this. Congratulations for fucking finally figuring out a way to do it. This is classy. This is classy. Excuse me, trying to class the fucking place up a little bit, Lids. We have a picture of a mattress that my balls have definitely touched. That uh, is probably stained somehow. I can't fucking wait for the first like fifty cent donation, being like, "Hey, pony up, West. Where's a picture of my sweat stained ball impression Casper mattress, yo?" Sweat if you're lucky. Sweat if you're lucky. Yeah, it's a Casper mattress. It's a Casper what mattress. Fuck. At least it has a fucking ghost name. I will give it that. Yeah, yeah. But- you hear that, Casper? Call us. Call no, us. do not fucking call us. Yeah. You're already. You already bought and sold by yeah, fucking Casper. Yeah. Half owned by the bastards, anyway. <laughs> I, you could say I'm sleeping with my, our sponsor. Ew, we don't have sponsors. Stop I know. talking like that. <laughs> Maybe just sponsored by handfuls of almonds, pecans, pecans. We could be sponsored by bendy straws. Fucking right. Yes, we could be sponsored by by bendy straws. I don't mind shelling out a dollar every six months for bendy straws. But yeah, uh, as far as Halloween and haunts, aside from Casper and ball sweat, Saunders Farm. Yeah. That is, is, is it a year-round haunt? I've never been there. I don't know if it's a year-round haunt. I definitely know that it is. They have a corn maze and they do. things like that. I think, like, like because I think they, they have different things that they do, like the haunted hayrides and stuff like that, or... That might be a different thing. I don't know if the barn is out open year-round, but I know yeah. Howard from Ottawa Horror, the founder of Ottawa Horror, had set up the initial light and sound. You've been there, yeah? I have been yeah. to Saunders Farm. Uh, I went there, geez, I must have been 10 or 11. And I remember going up there and, <laughs> you know, like, the thing about being, like, uh, I'm the youngest of three. And one of the things that I've always noticed about being the youngest of something is you never, ever know where the fuck you're ever going. Ever. 
Like you never know where you're going. Like it wasn't it wasn't like I can't wait to go to Saunders Farm. It was Wes get your jacket on. <laughs> and and um and I went with my grandparents. My grandparents were very conservative, very religious, very traditional people. Um, but they always took us places. It was very important to them that we went out and we did things. It wasn't always just sitting around the house. And so they decided to take us to Saunders Farm, which I guess even though I didn't know where the fuck we were going they were probably going for me more than anything probably if you were about that age yeah because i was the youngest my siblings would have been older so they would have probably lame they're at that everything's lame age my brother and sister were at like you know like 13 14 like the saucy age where you're yeah. just all like fuck you guys everything sucks so we went to the to, to this place and i remember fucking loving it was it scary well it was weird because i definitely got startled but I remember um, even being so like they're, like going through the farm and and you don't go in individually you go in with like a fairly large group of people so I want to say there was maybe like eight or nine people in a group myself included and we went all through this place and you know it's like flickering lights and I you know, I don't even know what it's like now it's probably completely changed because that's pretty theatrical from what I understand yeah, yeah. so uh, but you know it had actors in it and there i remember one room specifically that was really cool and there was a bed in it and there was a body in it and you could definitely get the sense that oh well that body is going to spring up like frankenstein's monster and we're all going to go ooh and and shit like that but how they did it was like you know all the art of misdirection the the legs of the body had a, a small woman in it i don't know if she was a kid or whatever the fuck but like she sprung up from the bottom of the bed as opposed to anybody sitting up from the top of the bed. And I remember that really got me. I was like, whoa. And like the whole room really reacted big. And I remember one woman all decked out almost like she was a witch. Some kind of a hag of some kind. I'm not sure. And I remember she was like, are you scared, mister? And I remember like, no. Like that. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no. Yeah, yeah. Like that. Because, you know, even at 10, like I was all sauce, right? Well, of course. <laughs> I wonder... When I went through Louis Toussaint's Waxworks in Niagara Falls over mm. and over and over again as a kid, mm-hmm. um, I didn't really, I don't remember much of what's in the actual wax museum, but there is a hall of horrors and like torture chamber and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And I remember that very clearly. I wanted to go in over and over and over again to see Charlie Manson mm-hmm. at the very least. Mm-hmm. And they had like a hall with different heads that had been tortured and stuff and shrunken heads. So it really really enjoyed that and i always wanted to go through twice and if someone would have asked me are you scared i'd have been like no i'm excited i love this place i never want to leave and i'm surprised that i'm not like a bigger um crypt keeper fan because i wanted to reminisce a little before we were recording this talking about haunts and stuff which is something i've never really gone through uh, aside from like little midway haunted houses and gotcha, stuff. gotcha gotcha yeah so i went and watched the intro like the, the entrance way to the the horror hall at Louis Tussauds, and it is like basically staffed by the crypt keeper. <laughs> Definitely staffed by the crypt keeper, and it like I don't know why I don't love that because I remember being so jazzed when I'd get to that corner, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, very very crypt keeper. You would love it. Definitely I definitely would love it. I love jokey punny horror hosts, and I love the crypt keeper. I think. Um, like I couldn't I'm really imagine you a haunt because you have you don't really like people up in your grill and even though that these people aren't really supposed to touch you or anything like that, I could just imagine you being more wigged out that someone is encroaching 
your bubble. And they might touch me. That they might touch you. That you just be like, yeah. twisting, twisting in the breeze. You just don't. And not in like, I'm having fun. I'm scared. I think you would be genuinely annoyed and get frustrated. Probably. Inside of it. Probably. Yeah. I think what you would need is you would need to go through a haunt when it was technically closed and just have everyone who's an actor in the haunt stand there (laughs) and not really do anything. And let me take pictures of them. Yeah. No, that would be no fun at all. That would just ruin everything. I I, I see pictures from Nightmare's uh, Fear Factory all the time because I follow them. Probably one of the first things I followed on Twitter was Nightmare's Fear Factory. And I, we were beside them in a booth at a Festival of Fear. And I was very, very curious about what was the jump scare that they photograph all the time. Because they always post these photos of people fucking losing their shit. And they're brightly lit. So it's like very weird to be like, you know that they're going through a haunt. And they are like jumping into one another's arms and everything. It's crazy. It's like very, very scary, whatever this is. And apparently, according to one of the girls that was running it, they have like a half of a car rigged up to the wall. And it's that art of misdirection. There's something else coming. You're expecting something else. And all of a sudden, this car, headlights and horn blaring, lunges out from the wall like it's a full car about to hit you. And that's why everyone jumps. And that's why it's so brightly lit. Wow. I know, right? That's really funny. I've seen, I think I've seen a couple of those photos on Facebook. Like there was like, here's a collection of photos of people freaking out at haunts, and it was very brightly lit. And everyone's just got like that twisted look in their face and like a leg up in the air. And, and, and it's like, what the fuck is the matter with you people? Why are you jumping so much? It can't be that scary. So maybe I never liked haunts because I had to go to like real haunted places and like abandoned places like uh, urban exploration, I've called it. Like trespassing? Trespassing. Well, trespassing yeah. is, let's call Nodding. it what it is. I'm like, yep. Yeah. Me and my sister were trespassing in the most haunted, scary-looking barn place. And we did that that Scooby and Shaggy jump into each other's arms thing. And we're not touchy people. Like, you think I'd be standoffish in a haunt around strangers? Me and my sister aren't, like, super huggy people either. And we're, like, super tough. You know, like, she has a tan and stuff. Like, <laughs> Like, crazy tough girls, right? So we're not the type to be jumping into one another's arms. But we were, like, creeping around, looking at the building, and we're in one side of it, and it's all collapsed on one side, and the second floor has collapsed into the first, so you can't really go on that side, so we have to go outside. And this place has been torn down. I'll find photos and post it because it's really cool, but... Uh, we went around the outside to the other side, and we're looking in the windows, and it was super cool, and we're really into it, and leaning way into the window... Because, and it's really precarious on this side because, like, who knows if it's going to cave in. Not only had the second story caved into the first, but the first floor there had caved into the basement. Oh, so wow. So we could see, like, old stone foundation and stuff and, like, trying to look and craning in and it's, like, dark. It was bright outside but dark in there, of course, and we could hear water dripping and scurrying. It was really cool. And then all of a sudden a fucking bat flew right between both of us and we did the scream and the <clears throat> jump and the hug and the look at one another and go <laughs> <laughs> it was so scary like it was so scary so it, yeah. that's reminding me of when when i was a kid and, and i mean by the time i was about like junior high like grade six going into like grade seven for sure um not too far from my school was what would be called by us as the abandoned school, but I don't think it was an abandoned school. And it was really, it was really one of those 
fucking, you're all sitting there at the playground looking bored or the schoolyard looking bored. And then someone runs up to you and is like, oh my God, you guys, you got to check out this place. Let's go. And so we all get up and we go. And what we find is this building that back in the south end of Ottawa, there is, uh, there, there's train tracks running all through the entire city, honestly. But, um, and a lot of them are abandoned because there used to be a lot more active railway system going through Ottawa. And some of them have gotten restored over the years to or make... part of it's the old train. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, the, nowadays it really just sits on this uh, very lonely isolated path that's still in the middle of a city but it's all overgrown it's all rusted and next to it behind a bunch of buildings was this large building and i don't think it was an abandoned school i think now looking back on it what it probably was was a train station of some kind that makes sense or or like either a service center an office of some kind something in which people who worked on the railway would have had like at the very least a little base here for something. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure. So we used to break into it on a regular basis. It became almost a routine of every lunch hour. We would leave our school grounds and we would explore this place. Was there and enough to see? Like, was it just walk down the same hallway? And- no, it was a very large building, all things considered. Maybe large to a bunch of seventh graders. And every room, like some rooms still had stuff in it. Like, you would go into a room and there'd be aged, yellowed, cracked office chairs and old desks. And there was some areas that looked like there was some kind of maintenance or construction that had gone on at some point, but it was all completely abandoned. It was full of dead pigeons. Like there was just dead birds everywhere in it. And one day we were walking down to the back of the building and we had never really gone there because there was some of these places that were legitimately fucking scary and we're all a bunch of scary cats oh yeah and like you never know if there's gonna be someone in there exactly and it's funny you should say that because we're walking down this very long hallway and it is pitch black we can't see our hand in front of our face and off in the distance we can see the faint light the cracks of like what might have been an emergency door or something we're not exactly sure and so there is Five of us just creeping along in this fucking pitch black hallway. And it just so happened that one of my friends just said, Oh my God, we're, we're going to fucking die in here. This is so fucking bad. And another one chimes in. The worst thing that's going to be in here is like a homeless person sleeping and he'll just stab you. And no sooner did my friend say that than someone, I think it was me because I remember it, the sound and the, and the, the weight of it. My foot hit what must have been the covering for a fluorescent light that had either fallen down or had been taken down to do maintenance on her. I don't know. And my foot kicked it and it slid across the floor and made the loudest sound ever. And you never could have imagined five guys fucking flying in the air scattering like roaches (laughs) just as scared as fucking can be. Yeah, like that inch away from doing the Scooby Shaggy thing and jumping into one another's arms. Oh my god, I was swings. Yeah, yeah. Like my fucking, I fly out of my shoes and then I like <laughs> run in place for like a good 30 seconds. Air. Yeah, and then I run away, a little puff of smoke. 
yeah, yeah. All five of you. That's my picture. That's awesome. So that's what I guess Hans are trying to recreate those fucking moments that are nearly unrecreatable. So they have to rely on like misdirection and the jump scares and things mm-hmm. like that. All the while not being able to touch anyone or hurt anyone. You know? mm-hmm. And I, that's a sentiment in the film that it's like anything short of piling people into a bag and beating them a little bit you know what's gonna scare people a fucking bat flying between me and my sister and you kicking a fluorescent light cover yeah or what is reportedly a fluorescent light cover fucking crazy yeah but yeah i i really should visit a haunt um this film i'd watched it after thinking it was like a documentary and hearing it was a documentary it was released as a documentary and screened at a film festival then clawed back and turned into a film which is great uh, I think that Mr. Rowe did a great job with this film. A lot of people have complaints about it. There's a lot of people that don't like it. There's things we don't like about it, but mm-hmm. there's things that we really do enjoy about this film, so that's mm-hmm. why we're covering it. And I just like the idea of haunts entirely. And watching documentaries on haunts, which this sort of blends that found footage, faux documentary with, mm-hmm. a, like it is a, a viable film, Unlike the other like documentaries like uh, American Scream and Monsters Wanted is one coming out or magazines like Hauntopolis where I can just look at the stuff and mm-hmm. listen to people talk about building their haunts. Mm-hmm. But this, we get to sort of live vicariously through that too, right? Because they go through quite a few really cool haunts and they're on a hunt for like the ultimate haunt. Mm-hmm. It definitely seems to be the genesis. So what this movie is... Is it's a found footage film that is about a group of friends that decide that they are going to do a cross country, maybe not cross country, but they're definitely going to be doing a lot of traveling throughout the United States trying to find the ultimate extreme haunt experience. And let me tell you, you'll never see a more generic collection of dudes and a lady that just don't seem to me like they even really would give a shit about doing this. And I don't mean to... Look, look I don't... It's not like the groups of friends that you can't picture them being friends. You're like, how do these people even know one another? No. Not quite like that. No. But they just are not invested in the project. Not invested in the project. And, and I don't mean to say... They don't really seem like fans of that type of stuff. And I don't mean to, to say like they're not wearing like the uniform because it's not that. I mean, you don't have to... If you like haunts and horror and... and and, and metal and, and or punk like you don't have to be dressed a certain way to like that stuff mm-hmm. like like because these guys are, are like khakis and flannel shirts and jeans and like that's that's their how they dress right I keep calling Jeff Mr. Ivy League yeah yeah <laughs> it does not allude to going to college whatsoever I don't think but he looks like Mr. Ivy League but yeah. that's not to say that he can't enjoy this but they seem totally uninterested yeah like they literally don't give a shit they give a shit about getting fucking hammered because it starts out with that obligatory party scene which makes me roll my eyes like like and it like it goes on so long this is like and gang i'll I'll preface this right now i do like this film quite a bit it might sound at the beginning that i don't uh because i have some big problems with certain aspects of it and one of the problems is is how much time is dedicated to watching these people be fucking annoying as shit and maybe... drink and make dumb jokes and talk about nothing and like they're reading fucking jokes off twitter that aren't even funny and they just wanted to say clown dick they just yeah. wanted to bring clown dick into it but yeah. like 
like we like a waste of time. No, Lydia. Do you think that it's because we're old and and not very adventurous? Well, we're pretty adventurous. I don't know when like, you're describing a 13 year old, I, I thought that was about uh, accurate for me. So I mean, I'm yeah. still like a snarky. I don't care. 13 year old. <laughs> so no, I don't think it's because we're old. I think uh, <laughs> uh, she was rolling her eyes to that entire thing. It's great. It was great. I felt like I was almost like your dad or something. <laughs> no, but what I mean to say is if if someone told me that we were getting into an RV to do a long drive and go on this adventure, this cross-country adventure or something like that, I would not – I would be in bed by like 6 p.m. <laughs> or even if I stayed up late, I wouldn't be drinking. Like, these guys get fucking trashed. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's five minutes of this fucking film dedicated to just random clips of them drinking and smoking pot and carrying on, and I don't care. And it's not the only instance. And no. It's, and it doesn't make sense because they're not, they're not going on an epic journey necessarily. They're going to uh, do some filming, interview some people, talk about haunts. And try and find biggest, scariest haunts and find out what really scares people. Yeah. So that's the whole point, apparently, right? So, but then to, they have to blow off steam for some reason. I don't get it. But then they continue to drink the next day and the next day. And it's like all they fucking do is drink. It's true. They're constantly nursing hangovers. They're constantly just fucking acting the fool. And what? One of the things that was really getting to me, and I, we were talking about this while we were watching this fucking movie, was the fact that it's not even remotely entertaining. Like I'm a jokey dude. I'm a jokey dude. I like to laugh. Uh, I, I like to have a good time. He is. He's not kidding. No. I, yeah. This is not a joke. He's this not is, laughing. This is not a joke. I'm so serious. I am the funny one. No. What they're saying is not amusing. Like one, like they're making fun of their friend. The two minutes of the stone guy spitting crackers or whatever. What is, like laughing until he's in tears? I just can't fucking say. That wouldn't you know, even be funny to you in real life. No, you want to know what's what's honestly this is like? It's like, have you ever been the most sober person at a party? Have you ever been to a party two hours late and everyone's fucking trashed and everyone's falling over laughing and you're just sitting there? Thinking that's not funny. Oh my god, get me out of here! I hate these people. Look at your clock, and it's like, wow. That is what it's like watching these people interact with each other. I constantly am feeling like I am the sober one in a party full of drunken idiots. And by the way, they all look like they're in their fucking thirties. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Drinking like they're fifteen. Yeah, drinking like they're fifteen, making jokes like they're fifteen, just like snotting and snorting and laughing one of them writes a poem and they read the poem and they're just cracking up and it's not even fucking funny it's not even a poem that's so bad it's funny or so bad it's good it's just meh it's a big waste of time it's, it's a huge a fucking waste of time waste they of time. do pepper a couple little things thank fucking god that are hunt related so we can at least pay fucking attention a little bit. But 46 minutes is about the time when they have a fucking conversation about what they're doing that's important and relevant instead of just talking shit and drinking in the RV that they're in. I want to have more conversations, more introspective conversations about the nature of fear. Uh, Mikey, it talks about a lot of things that are interesting, but it's not enough. 
it's not enough. It's a couple of lines about what the nature of fear is, what's frightening for one person isn't frightening to another person. The nature of haunts, how could this be an extreme haunt because they can't hurt you, so how extreme could it possibly get? More of this, less of that. Yeah. Why are we wasting more time dedicating to the fact that these people are idiots as opposed to me thinking they're not idiots and are actually engaged in what they're doing, invested want to have conversations about this type of thing because without those it seems very strange that they would all agree to this yeah because they're not invested not interested and it's not even at this point like up to 46 or so minutes in that they're disenfranchised the project they're not being scared they think this is all lame because they seem to be having fun in the haunts they're encountering Mm. now dial it like all the way back the movie does start out with a girl in a fucking car trunk. That's true. Yeah. So it does get some points there. And that's what initially made me, you know, put the movie in the first time I watched it and be like, oh boy, oh boy, I'm going to have fun with this because it's got a girl in a trunk. That's how we were opening up. I like this. Mm-hmm. It's to remind you that what you're watching is going to be a horror film and then perhaps letting you know, just get through this part. And I don't know if this is the writer and director's intention of making you not like your characters and i always gotta tell you guys if you are making any sort of hard narrative and you want people to not care about the people that are getting killed because they're annoying or they deserve it i think that it's the wrong way to go i i do think that there are horror movies out there that do that quite well that when you're rooting for your slasher yeah when, though, though, and you want to have a bunch of nameless teenagers. I mean, for God's sake. So, like, Friday the 13th, one of my favorite franchises of all times, is Notorious built, for that. Uh, built yeah. on, on a foundation of annoying teenagers getting killed. But Sleepaway I, Camp's really good for that. Sleepaway Camp is really good for that. Those are people uh, uh, revenge. But I think that if you want to have... You can dedicate your time to making these characters likable and make us sad when they die, especially in a movie like this, because it's the first movie of... The, uh, the House of October built universe, we could call it. It's the first one. If you ever do a sequel and you want to make the Haunters more the stars of the show, you can have more superfluous characters. But let's make it sadder that these characters die. Why not? Like, why does it have to be, well, you're going to be glad when they die. Why does it always... But And I mean, yes, sometimes, but not all the time. I'm fine with being indifferent about their deaths. I, I'm, that comes easily to me. Yeah, like, I know. But to me, I've always... They are annoying. They but are... not annoying in that way that makes you root for their death. You you just simply don't care and don't yeah. want to listen to them anymore. Yeah, I would, I would be... The, the scariest thing to me is imagining that I would be locked in an RV with these people for <laughs> a week. That's a haunt. That's a fucking haunt. Oh, my God. But I think that, that, to me, I've always been a firm believer that without empathy, horror can be meaningless. I just think it was the wrong way to go in this instance. I think if you made these very impassioned people, Jeff seems to have this idea that he wants his friends to experience the ultimate haunt, probably more for himself. But when he brings his friends along, because these are people that he's known for 20 years or more, yeah. even though they're having fun, it's kind of in that jokey, frat boy, oh, that was kind of scary... I got really excited, but then we left the haunt and we don't really give a shit anymore. His attitude right from the get-go seems to be disappointed or almost embarrassed that they can't seem to find a haunt 
That is what he's looking for. And this guy, much like a lot of hobbyists, spends a lot of time researching his interest, going to forums, using the internet, reading about these ultimate extreme haunts. And whatever he's looking for, he's not finding in these places. And every time they go to a haunt, which is frequent in this film, which is cool, I like that, he becomes more and more disillusioned with this idea of finding what he wants. He gets more and more frustrated, more and more indifferent, to the point of being quite rude to the people working there, not giving a shit about this place. Yeah, and saying that aloud, I guess it's like the third haunt where his friends are sort of somewhat getting into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Brandy a little more even because she's like being the token girl. Unfortunately, there's a few scenes where I kind of quiver because it's like, oh, you just have her along so you have someone who will jump and squeal. My God. Mm -hmm. Um, But when they're actually starting to sort of get into it because they're sort of at these middling haunts that are kind of off the beaten path, a little more rough, and a little more theatrical and really well put together and well run and well attended. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I don't give a shit about that. I want to talk to these guys over here. My God. We care more about what the random people he's filming and interviewing have to say. Mm-hmm. And we know that they're just like a one stop. Never going to see them again in the film. Mm-hmm. Not so true about the people that work at the haunt. No. Yeah, we definitely get to see some of them. The first haunt they really piss off, um, the haunt owner or a worker or somebody stands in front of their RV as they're leaving. Mm-hmm. And that's the first one that really gets up in their face. He doesn't do anything. No. but the, And this is where the haunt of some of our... Uh, this is the haunt that they go to where we're going to meet our doll girl. Yeah. Um, like Easily one of my favorite things about this entire film is the look of this character she looks amazing she so scre- uh, creepy um i even liked when they go into one of the things that i like about haunt so much and what this really demonstrates quite well i think is the fact that in haunts you will have a character and this character will sit in a room and this room tells a story and this character's look tells a story and she will devote dialogue to extend that story and so every room you go into it's like a different little horror story and that becomes very interesting to me and i think the nice voyeuristic perspective that we have of these haunts not actually experiencing them is we can drink in these rooms and drink in these characters and and start to piece together what this might be and then you know, you know, like you see this doll girl and you see this room with the teddy bears and, and all this kind of stuff thinking, oh, is this like perhaps she was a person just like you and she was turned into a doll and now you're going to get turned into a doll. <laughs> like maybe it would be something like that, something cool and creepy like that. Especially where she's not like feeding you that. What she's doing is dancing around saying, come and play with me. And you can tell that her face is all cracked porcelain, but it's such great makeup that she still has full mobility in her features. Mm-hmm. Like she is fucking amazing looking. Mm-hmm. And her like scraggly hair that's falling out. Like, oh, yeah. Very oh, yeah. scary looking, just even in the first glimpse. And you kind of fall for her a little bit. At least I do. Oh, yeah. And, but then you get to see a whole bunch more of her. Mm-hmm. Because after they're getting kind of weirded out and they're trying to leave they encounter her outside the van Mm -hmm. and Mikey goes up to talk to her and he comes back in right away and they're like, what did she say? And he's like, she didn't really say much. And she's fucking walking up into the van 
behind him and then she just comes and sits down in their rv and she's like looking at each of them in turn really creepy like and she's not saying anything but she opens her mouth a couple times as if she's going to say something which i find unbelievably creepy and this is where i did forgive a lot of the preamble in this movie when she made her presence and then she gives this horrible guttural wretched scream oh my god yeah for no reason and this is like a brightly lit rv where they're safe you know and she's sitting there just doing this for no reason and then she gets up and walks out yeah that would make my blood run cold if i was in that scenario I wouldn't think, oh my god, it's like a real creepy doll girl. I'd just be like, I think this person's gonna like stab one of us. Yeah, I'm like, is she in character or is she fucking nuts? Yeah. Can't tell in that scene. You can't tell. And mm. I don't think they can either. And it's very unnerving for them. And that's like the first instance where the haunt and life start to like kind of cross for these people. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't scare them off what they're doing. They continue, no, no, like, it's not bad, I don't think, for them to continue to the next haunt. But they should, like, keep their own fucking hands off and keep their shit to themselves and don't start any trouble. And the minute that somebody gives them trouble, they should back right off. Mm -hmm. The next haunt, they do, what is it you said, almost famous? Well, no, the the doll haunt is where the almost famous thing happens. Oh, was it? This is what triggers them initially. So what ends up happening is Mikey goes up on for some reason like one of the things that i will give this film is the fact that even though these people don't look like or don't act like people that would be super into haunts or that would be super into horror in any way shape or form they definitely act like people who would trespass they definitely act like people who have no problem talking to strangers sort of like a journalist who's just really hot on the case yeah Yeah. they, they definitely seem like people that are not afraid to interact with people they're all very charismatic they're all very loud they're all very um charismatic is too generous they're all like they like to talk and and like make their presence known uh mikey is probably the most bombastic of all of them like loves the ladies big fucking lumberjack beard pink underwear just like that guy he's the right? most character and you'd point out while we're watching it that he's really the most interesting out of all of he's them. the most interesting character and he is the only character that I can see an arc to. Yeah. I can... Everyone else comes into the movie and ends in the movie pretty much exactly where they're like at. Like a cardboard cutout. Like a cardboard Brandy yeah. is the second most developed character, which mm-hmm. is crazy because there's nothing about her really except for the fact that she was having a good time and then she wasn't having a good time <laughs> like that that's that is her which is a pretty easy arc and some some female characters go through that in the first few seconds like the girlfriends in uh um house of a thousand corpses yeah exactly. she would fit right in with them you could swap any of those girls out mm-hmm. for her too mm-hmm. unfortunately but she just seems like you know like like the character is fine it's just there's nothing really interesting about her but she is fucking singing on the page compared to like zach or jeff or any of them i'm just like whatever like there's no arc to these characters they just they, they come in they are another person to be on camera and then they leave and it seems like a fucking waste because when they are on camera, it's annoying. But yeah, anyways, yeah. that's neither here nor there. Mikey decides to go up a ladder. He sort of goes, 
looks beyond the veil, goes around a corner, goes up to a ladder, and climbs up to the roof. And yeah, then when he g- they get to see the crowd, yeah, and that's part of the idea of being up there yeah. because it is a massive crowd. And I'm thinking, yeah, this works for the little documentary or whatever. Yeah, for sure. And then he does this little almost famous uh, bit, which I did like, not understand because I've never seen this almost famous. <laughs> he basically stands up on top of the roof and says, "I'm the king of Halloween." And then that's not the line from Almost Famous, but basically, mm-hmm. and. Man, do the haunters not like that. They do not like him trespassing. And they already seem agitated enough that they're filming. Yeah, filming and questioning the workers and stuff. And the workers don't seem to mind. Like when they're like, hey, can I ask you a question? Like, yeah, sure. Like anyone, like most anyone would, right? But the owners or whoever they are, the main haunt workers, or who knows if they're just the oldest haunt workers, because it's very much like a carnival atmosphere and they could have been working these haunts for decades, right? So they just have a very tight-knit family feel to it. They, This is what precipitates them standing in front of the RV and just like visibly threatening them and the doll-faced girl getting into the RV and screaming. Mm-hmm. Um which is kind of the most gentle way to tell them to fuck off. I guess they didn't get the memo. Mm-hmm. I don't know why they didn't calm down. Because they seem to get a little more pushy and rambunctious. Mm-hmm. And they query more haunt workers at the next haunts that they go to. Mm-hmm. This is also starting to lay in this, this subplot, which actually kind of seems to be more of the meat of the story, is that Jeff is asking around trying to find information about this legendary extreme haunt, this place that is the most extreme of the extreme. So extreme, in fact, that it travels. It's never in the same place twice. And you need to ask around. You need to inquire. You need to get on the forums. You need to... Like raves used to be. Like real ones, not the raves that they have nowadays. Yeah, where everyone's got a wristband and and stuff. Mm -hmm. But what's even included in this is a password, too. And so... This begins his journey of trying to find people that know anything about this haunt. And if you're going to ask people, like, it may as well be people that work at these haunts or people that go to these haunts all the time. And piece by piece, bit by bit, he gets a little bit more information every haunt they go to. But that also seems to fuel his dissatisfaction with the haunts that he's in. Or he's not getting this information fast enough. It's not coming readily enough. What hoops he needs to jump through, he doesn't Mm -hmm. know. And he also seems to be on the verge of losing his party because... As they travel, there doesn't seem to be a distinct end to this trip. Well, there, he hasn't said we're going away for a week. We're going away for a month. We're gonna, like, how long? How many haunts are we going to? How far are we going? What are we doing? But this mythical extreme haunt is the one that they're searching for. And in the meantime, they'll go to all these other haunts. And as they go to these haunts, every single time. You pointed out when we were watching it a very funny comment that I thought where you just said watching people too dumb to know that they're being followed. Yeah, pretty much. Because as we're watching these people interact, as we're watching them go through the haunts, we as the audience are privy to things that the person holding the fucking camera doesn't seem to be privy to. The fact that they're being watched. Yeah, and there's a specific clown guy, the guy that had first faced off with their RV at the first haunt they pissed off. He shows up at pretty much every fucking haunt thereafter. The doll face girl is mm-hmm. following them as well. And I started joking about 
what do they ride on top the RV at night so that they don't notice or are they following them like mm-hmm. would they not notice them following them they they should have noticed them following them but i guess you go to the haunt and you see one haunter you've seen them all and and they're not really paying attention look you're talking about people that are too busy trying to get laid and drink yeah, and and smoke pot and you know they even go in the middle of the bush at one point because they're going off the beaten path they're going to and they keep making comments about rednecks and fucking backwoods do they ever very annoying and it's another fucking thing that's exacerbating all the haunt workers they just like crash some dude's campsite basically and they're like oh we'll camp here for the night and he's a haunt worker and probably one of the more scary haunt workers that doesn't do anything scary mm-hmm. comes out of the bush and he's like what are you doing with my fire Mm-hmm. Like, so they, and then they make more comments about backwoods right to him. And he's like, what, what do you mean backwoods? It's like, have you guys not caught on that you're being followed and that you're fucking pissing these people off just naturally? Like going to the haunts and asking stupid fucking questions, doing things like hitting on the haunt owner's daughters mm-hmm. and, and like stealing their campsite. Like that's fucking crazy. And then you insult them by saying backwoods. Mm-hmm. I was insulted by a shitty rap. That he decided oh to give around God. the fire. Stupid, fucking useless, waste of time crap. There's nothing that agitates me more than weak-ass fucking rhymes. Weak-ass rhymes. <laughs> I'm going to write that down so that, that people think I'm hip when I say it. <laughs> but yeah, they're fucking annoying and they're fucking stupid. That's, yeah. Now I'm getting all belligerent. I think that uh, like we would probably side with the haunt workers on this one. Oh, completely. And luckily, they do recur. So we can sort of like relate to them a little tiny bit. Mm-hmm, Thank mm-hmm. God. Especially Dollface Girl. She's great. She, she's, she is, her makeup, her character is the highlight of this film for me. It's outside of one of these darker haunts. Uh, where there is a very, very big crowd. And they're saying things like backwoods and these like redneck haunts and stuff yet when jeff goes to go to the washroom he gives up on going to the washroom because the lineup's too long i'm like well these places are drawing people like mad if you mm-hmm. can't get to the washroom that's crazy so he goes to pee in the bush and this is where we meet uh well not meet but see one of my other favorite haunt workers is it bloody bunny bloody bunny bloody <laughs> bunny who comes at him in the bushes and i thought this is where it was going to be our first kill I really oh do. man, it's scary too because this bloody bunny has an axe, yeah, and he smucks it into a tree a bunch of times to indicate this is a real axe. This is a functioning piece of uh, equipment here. And I'm coming at you with it. Yeah, yeah. And and man, does the guy? Uh, uh, I think it's Zach is uh, the guy filming it. Mm-hmm. He fucking is just like running away. Go away. Leave me alone. And then falls over and then the bloody bunny does like a little like chittering like bunny paws up type I love thing paws up yeah. yeah it's really cute and it's sort of in a way and he comes at him a couple times after that before he leaves but he's sort of like ah oh, you putts you know like i'm just here doing my job and you're shitting your pants quite mm-hmm. literally just because we're not in the haunt but you had pointed out he adheres to haunt rules he's in character he's not touching him he's just That's the thing terrorizing that, him. that and, and that will lead us to like my overall question about this film but i as we progress 
the encounters with these haunters becoming more frequent, at least for us, the audience, these dipshits don't fucking notice half the time. <laughs> and when and when something weird does happen, they forget about it instantly. I'm su- such like an anxiety-stricken person that if I had one bad encounter with any one of these workers, I would be talking about it for days. And you would recognize them when you see them. Oh, hell yeah. I, I would see that person in my fucking dreams. It takes Brandy at... I don't remember if it's the zombie strippers first or after. Because I really like the zombie strippers scene. If they're going to throw on a little stupid party drinking scene, zombie strippers is the way to go. They mm. weren't as good as the zombie strippers we have here in Ottawa. No. If I do say so. <laughs> but it was a fun little scene. Like zombie strippers. Um, but they use Brandy's name while they're going through a haunt. They do. On one hand, I think that's kind of cool because it goes with like they could be cold reading the crowd in the lineup and hear somebody be like hey Wes blah 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 and like you're going through a haunt and someone comes up to you that's a creaky old hag and calls you by name like that's really effective and smart but we know that these people are being overtly threatened by these haunt workers so to have them use Brandy's name that's when she starts to catch on a little tiny bit that these people have it out for them and it's not safe there. Mm-hmm. That's like, what, four haunts in? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, this all culminates into what I submit is the creepiest, most tense scene in this entire film. And that is the scene where all of a sudden the camera turns on and we're in night vision. And we're looking at one of our protagonists. Yeah, the the camera comes up on Bobby. And is filming him while he's asleep. Mm -hmm. And you think to yourself, well, wait a minute, who's holding this camera? And then you see the camera walk through the rest of the RV. And you see Mikey asleep. And you see um, Zach asleep. asleep. And then you think to yourself, oh, oh, okay, and... Then you go into the room and there's Jeff asleep and there's Brandy asleep. And then the hand gently brushes down Brandy's cheek while she's unaware. And then the camera moves away and then looks into the light. And you see the person holding the camera is a clown, a creepy clown. Not the exact one that was following them initially, but one of them. And the camera goes off. And... At that point, when I first watch this, I'm like, when are they going to find this? Is it going to take them two fucking days to turn on that camera? Mm-hmm. Like, these people are so brain dead. So mm-hmm. I really like what they what happens next. Mm-hmm. It's really, really cool. And also, during that scene, I should probably mention, fucking one of their licenses gets taken. Yeah. So I was like, oh my god, like, first name, last name, address. Everything. Like, yeah. that's fucking terrifying to and me. And if they get stopped, they don't have a license and they could get ticketed. That was my first thought. Yes, Lydia, yes. But they don't have to wait long because no. the next day, while Jeff is doing his daily checking of uh, haunt forums, someone has posted the video online. And they're starting to freak out now because who filmed this? Someone broke into the RV. None of them woke up. They're all very sound sleepers. And what the fuck? Jeff contacts the person that posted the video. And that leads them to having to go to a bar to meet someone named Giggles. Now, if posting the fucking video wasn't creepy enough, 
Mikey opens up the fridge to get more beer, of course. I'm just assuming because that's what these people drink. They don't drink water. They just drink beer. And there's a giant cow heart in there, too. So not only do these people come in sneakily, grab the camera, film them, touch one of them, rustle around. They also somehow teetered in there with a fucking plate full of cow heart and blood and got (laughs) it into the fridge. So I guess these people were like so drunk they didn't hear a thing or they're very sound sleepers or they thought it was one of the other ones of them up rambling around i don't know but to not notice the people following them is one thing but to have that happen is entirely another in my mind it's really really funny but when they get to this bar this bar is completely full of haunters there's creepy old people there's people in makeup and they're there for Hours. It reminds me of the clown bar in Shakes a Clown. If anyone hasn't seen Shakes a Clown, I suggest that you run out and do that. This um, leads to them, what do you know, at a bar drinking. Yeah. And Surprise. eventually Brandy goes to the bathroom and the boys are shuffled off because they Giggles are going to go. Outside. Giggles is outside. Yeah. And so they go to try to meet Giggles. Meanwhile, the haunters pick up the camera. Oh, city boys left uh, their their camera here. And then they go into the bathroom where Brandy is and they corner her. I'm telling her that they're going to make a movie. Oh, making a movie and they're fucking like, you know what I'm saying? And like, they don't directly say anything about any kind of sexual it's stuff like where she's like get away from me and they're like i'll get away from you like yeah, it's just it's like, that it's that type of thing where you're like Ugh. it's yeah. just icky it's, it's very icky it's very icky they're a bunch of big dudes she's by herself in the bar and they're just saying shit that you like you know what they're fucking saying yeah like you know what they're yeah. fucking saying and and she finally pushes her way past them and then there's there's more struggling and then we're back in the RV and this has really changed the attitude for a lot of people. Like not only have as things kind of worn on and people have gotten a little bit more solemn and started discussing the nature of fear and what they could possibly even looking for. It's a haunt. It's carnival crap. It's, it's like what could possibly be happening at these places now that whatever has happened, these haunters have, made a move specifically on Brandy and that has the worm has turned for a lot of them. Yeah. Because it's one thing to come in and film them all while they're sleeping, leave a cow heart in the fridge. But now they have like cornered one of them. Yeah. Split them up and cornered one of them, which is not fucking cool. So now they don't want Brandy to be unattended whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of a good rule I think for any of them at this point. I think I think yeah, that should be all of you should yeah. not be by yourselves. You are being followed, you idiots. <laughs> yeah. You idiots. It makes it fun as a viewer because you really are kind of rooting for the haunters, not because your characters are super annoying. That trick didn't work. But what is working is you feel that they have encroached where they're not welcome and they're not getting the fucking message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This kind of brought me to a question. Like by the time we're in the bar scene, I was thinking to myself while we were watching this movie. Who's paying for all of this? <laughs> Who is paying for these haunters to either travel, follow these people, break into the thing? Like, what is the monetary compensation for this? Because I feel like running a haunt itself is probably pretty expensive. But now you have to... Is this extra hiring? Is there a management team? What's going on here? Well, like, when 
they return to the RV that night and get accosted yet again mm-hmm. when they're like surrounded and they're like banging on the outside of the RV and they turn on the lights and there's what how many of them 50 still? at least yeah so you're not kidding you're not kidding there's parts of me I have reservations about that I don't think like cost they're having fun yeah annoying these fucking people yeah and leading them on mm-hmm. with like mouse and cheese through their maze right because it seems to be what they're doing. His friends are just, I think, at this point catching on. Mm-hmm. He's just now telling them about the mythical blue skeleton haunt that he's been looking for. Mm-hmm. He finally gets a name. Blue Skeleton is the place that they've been looking for. And that's what they've learned. That's what they've been able to infer from all of this evidence. And now, um, yeah, it becomes an interesting question about... How far does this go? How many of these haunters are involved in this? And Jeff B starts to begin to believe that this has all been part of it. This is all a big game and an into uh, and an initiation, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And like, if I were one of his friends in the RV, I wouldn't buy it either. And from where I said, I sort of kind of don't buy it. Because I'm like, they're just fucking with him. They're mm-hmm. just fucking with him. And they question one another as to, are am I? Are you just being fucked with? But of course, they feed them just little tiny breadcrumbs. And then in the form of a jack-o'-lantern with an invitation in it. Mm-hmm. How'd they get that letter in there? I don't know. I couldn't figure that out. It could be like, you know the trick of writing your name on the inside of a banana? No. Oh. Uh, well, I'm not telling you. But you can do it. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It could be something like that. They could have just like put a little razor thing. It's not very wet, though, and it's a whole envelope. I know I couldn't quite figure it out either. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a plug on the bottom, maybe. Maybe. Maybe a plug on the bottom. That would trick anybody. Mm-hmm. These people aren't very fucking observant either. That is very true. Mm-hmm. But they finally know that they're, that where it is nowadays, or this year, is in Louisiana. They've been traveling for five days now, right? So this yeah. is getting on to Halloween Eve, which isn't too bad of a fucking odyssey to be dragging your friends around. But mm-hmm. they seem to have been crisscrossing. Like, I don't know exactly where they all went, mm-hmm. but they seem to have been anchorless up until this point. So that's one thing that I think keep his friends with him instead of just being like, fuck you, guy. I'm mm-hmm. out. Is that now they have an actual destination. Mm-hmm. At this point, Brandy's not feeling it. She was cornered. Mikey, the the loudest, most bombastic, most uh, like like dude trying to get laid character in this fucking movie, is also just not feeling it. They're not fucking feeling this anymore. We have had a creepy doll girl in our RV. People have broken in while we were asleep. We've been surrounded. Our power's been cut to our RV. Um, we've been gotten harassed and accosted specifically by several of these haunters. Well, like the bunny guy. The, the, the bunny... little girl has even been like showing up. They recognize the little girl mm-hmm. at the second haunt or yeah. the second haunt they see her at. And now they have what an invitation and some fucking groovy masks to show for it. I do like those metal blue skull masks. Yeah. Try to find one on eBay. I'm going to dress up as a blue skeleton guy for Halloween next year. You need year. three friends to go with you. I would need free, uh, three friends, period. Not only ones to convince me to go. Yeah. This is why I'm never a Sailor Scout. Oh. You'd be a good Sailor Neptune, I think. Sailor Neptune? Yeah. 
get out of here. Sailor Saturn. Sailor Saturn is very cool, too. Yeah, I'm Hotaru through and through. <laughs> I think that um, at this point, Jeff has just been tub-thumping this fucking idea of trying to get everyone on board with this fucking blue skeleton thing. This is what we wanted. This is what you guys wanted. You weren't scared about the other ones. This is the one that's going to scare you. They're already kind of scared, in my estimation. They're they're, they're more scared of the actual real viable threat that these people are going to fucking like mm-hmm. blow out one of their tires when they're on the road and they're mm-hmm. going to have get be in mortal danger mm-hmm. or that axe is finally going to make contact or something. E- even when they finally make it to one of the more extreme haunts, they already kind of seem not that into it, like more stressed out at going through the haunt than really enjoying it even though it is really really cool and there's it, parts where they turn to one another to, to have that look of like hey that's really cool but they're yeah, yeah like you said they're too weather beaten at that point they're too weather beaten like, i mean like the, going into like the, the elevator area and it's shaking and shaking almost like they're dropping and opening up into the asylum area like a basement even like though a it's basement. like a one level house like i really like that haunt the way it was yeah. set up a lot that haunt was amazing they had people swinging from the ceiling like it was really fucking cool yeah and and and, and again, at that point, like I'm forgetting about the annoying characters. I'm forgetting about the genericness of, of a lot of the shit that they're doing. I'm, I'm forgetting about bad raps, yeah. stupid poems, and watching idiots laugh about shit that's not funny. Because um, we're invested at that but, point in these really cool haunts that they're seeing. Some of the more dangerous haunt workers that are definitely following them that we're looking out for while we're in these haunts with them, right? So mm-hmm. it's... It does a good job of immersing us in these places with our own backstories. We start to get very nervous for them. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, they're still peppered in little bits of video with haunt workers saying things like, oh, I shouldn't tell you about that. Or there's definitely been a, a guy that died in there. Mm-hmm. Or did you hear about this haunt that did this? Or mm-hmm. I hear about these places that do that. Mm-hmm. So it's we don't do back, We don't do background checks on our people. Maybe we should. Or They hired a killer at this Yeah, place. they hired a killer, yeah. yeah. Yeah, all this type of extra information. Which even right now, talking about that like that, I'm getting like, ooh, ooh. I want to go research this shit. Yeah, that sounds pretty Which interesting. I've, we've heard actual news reports like that. So mm-hmm. it's not outside of the realm of possibility, all the stories that he's encountering. It all rings true. Haunts are created the way that these haunts are, and a lot of them based on real haunts, and they went to real haunts for the documentary portion of it all. So like, it's all crossing those lines and getting our wires crossed while we're watching it because we're also looking out for people like Dollface Girl, Bloody Bunny, the giant gimp-looking guy, the mm-hmm. giant Dom-looking guy. Mm-hmm. So The really big clown, like the really big one that has like the big fucking monster face, like yeah. that guy, you see him? Yeah. And that was what I liked about that that scene where he was surrounded by the van, the RV gets surrounded and you see all of the haunt workers that like all tons of them you, you could pause that scene and i'd want to do that like and po- oh i remember i recognize that one because i did recognize a few of them in the crowd yeah and we're just calling out the big ones the, mm-hmm. the ones that are very visible and mm-hmm. have almost a character to them mm-hmm. it's about five of them but yeah in that scene you could probably point out more like oh i remember seeing that guy in the first one or i remember, that guy was just behind them and, mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. or maybe the guy that they encountered in the forest yeah. He's probably in that mix too. Because they pissed him off good. <laughs> Man, did they ever. Um, Shitty raps and then calling him backwoods? What the fuck? <laughs> anyway. Yeah. 
so they eventually get to Louisiana, and it's a big celebration. Not Mardi Gras, but very Mardi Gras-like. There's well, it's beads. Halloween and yeah, there's yeah, beads and there's boobs and there's and there's costumes and everyone's wearing masks. Everyone's and... wearing masks, and they are bringing their blue skeleton masks that they got on their RVs that were left there. Um, it was funny. The like. I was like, what, what, somebody in the middle of the night, like, put these masks on our things? Like, we didn't even hear them? I'm like, people have literally been inside your RV. Why is this, like, where you're like, what? Mm, I'm pretty sure that these people are riding along inside their cupboards and on the roof. Like, I really do, and they're mm-hmm. just not noticing. Yeah. They must be being followed, because they're going sort of anchorless to, from haunt to haunt. That or these people travel like much like carnival workers, mm-hmm. or if they're traveling with blue skeleton recruiting, maybe who knows mm-hmm. the real explanation. But they're definitely fucking being followed. They pass mm-hmm. these people on the highway several fucking times. And there's definitely going to be an indication later that their RV is definitely bugged. Yeah, which is hilarious. <laughs> they deserve that. Yeah, it's absolutely. probably been bugged before the fucking video got posted to the internet. Probably. They're that stupid. Honestly. Probably left it unlocked. Probably. Yeah. Honestly. Um, when they get to Louisiana, they're trying to find anyone that has a similar blue mask. I guess they figured that there would be other people that would be recruited, like, that would be knowing about where this haunt is, and they'd go there, and the indication would be the blue mask. They do see somebody in the crowd with a blue mask, but that is when they get, uh, one of them gets separated from the pack. Well, go figure. It's uh, Halloween in New Orleans, so it's going to be packed full of people. You could easily lose someone in a crowd than they're at Mardi Gras, so it's bound to happen. Especially when they're all more focused on following people with blue masks than paying attention to where the rest of their friends are. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, this is the first time that one of them gets separated and finds themselves in a hallway, be- uh, uh, finds himself in an alleyway because. He believes that he sees his brother. And I remember when we were watching the movie, we're like, what? Your brother wasn't dressed like that. He wasn't wearing a blue hoodie at all. Yeah, it was, he was, you guys are like, as if, like, just because he's wearing a mask doesn't mean he changed his clothes, dipshit. Cut to, oh, wait, his, his brother was definitely wearing that blue hoodie. So we, I don't think, I, I don't remember his brother wearing a blue hoodie before that scene. Do so you think that they were just like, shit, he wasn't wearing that hoodie. Put, quick, put that hoodie on. Yeah, it could be. I just don't remember wearing that blue of a hoodie because it was super blue, but. Either way. He ends up surrounded. And we see the doll girl. We see Bloody Bunny. The little girl as well. Oh, my God. And so he gets surrounded. And we're not sure what happens to him. Yeah, the only point of view we have, and that's one thing that this uh, film does very well, is does rely on the stationary cameras inside their van mm-hmm. and the cameras that they have. Yeah, it's not like van. in Grave Encounters where like the camera drops and it falls at like a perfect cinematic angle to yeah. just, like see everything. It's right? very realistic. Yeah, and and it's also to keep it ambiguous. They do something to him. Yeah, it's he, a dark. It goes pretty much dark because he's in a dark alleyway. And, and he screams and then is silenced and dragged away. His screams go kind of gurgly, too, so we think that he must have got his throat cut or something. Something. Tongue, tongue cut, throat cut, maybe something. Even a gag put in his mouth. Who gag knows? Like, to I don't put know. it to his We don't know. Yeah. But as his friends realize that he's no longer with them, they try to find him. And he, they're, they're given an indication that they need to go to... Uh, they need to drive down the road... To this fork in the to road. To this fork in the road. And... Brandy and Mikey fucking don't want to do this. Jeff 
is convinced. Con- this is all part this of it. All part of it. This is all part of it. It's like the game, that uh, stupid movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is all fucking part of it. We just have to do what they say, and this is what we wanted, right? This is what you guys wanted, and we're going to do it. Um, Bobby's point is that, well, what do we, like, what do you want to go home? Are we going to leave him here? Are we going to leave him here? It's like, so what do you want to do? Do you want to drive down this road, or do you want to leave him here? What, what do you want to do? Obviously, they can't leave him here. And then what ends up happening is we roll up is a bus. And out from the bus comes a, a slender individual wearing a skull mask. They get a text message from Zach's phone that says they have 60 seconds to get out of the bus or they will kill their friend. More than half of which they spend arguing about what they're going to do while I'm sitting there saying... He said you had 60 seconds, you dumbass. So then they get a text that says 45 seconds. And I'm like, thank you. And this is where Mikey says, I'm not afraid of these. I'm not scared of these people. And then they get a text message. We'll give you something to be scared about. So the RV is bugged. They're definitely bugged. And they're like, what? What? Can they hear what we're saying? Yes. Yes, they can hear what you're saying. They obviously can hear what you're saying. Yes, they've also been following you and you're in grave danger, too. Yeah. Yeah. They eventually agree to it. They find themselves bound with zip ties and with sacks over their heads and sitting separately on a bus driving with uh, a driver and two individuals. Who are keeping them separate and quiet. Who are keeping them separate and quiet. Now, this is sort of the beginning of an extreme hunt, right? This is sort of like where they wanted it to start, right? It very much seems like... That is what's happening now. It definitely seems as though if I had fear about what this was, it's starting to feel like this might actually be a haunt. Mm -hmm. We're not sure. But they're definitely freaking out. And as the bus rolls to a a stop and the, the three men get pulled out, Brandy's left behind. This agitates them to no fucking. And not only is one of them dating Brandy. Yeah. But, but like everyone seems extremely agitated by the fact that they're not taking Brandy with them. She's already been cornered once before. Um, when she's alone on the bus, they drive around. Who knows where the fuck they're going, how, how long they've been driving for. They have a knife uh, to her, but it seems to be more of for us, the audience, because she wouldn't know that they have that. Yeah, but yeah. Um, they tell her that you're going to pick up the camera. You're going to count to 30. You're going to pick up the camera and you're going to record everything that you see. And we'll be watching. So you better do it. Which is such an amazing beginning to a haunt. <laughs> beginning. A beginning. Beginning. Yeah. Beginning to a haunt. They use the knife to cut the zip ties and they leave. This is the final sequence of the film. And the final sequence of the film is quite interesting because this haunt seems to be a dedicated area of camps, like cottages or or wood cabins or something like that. And what impresses me so much about this haunt, you're thinking, what would this extreme haunt be? What would it be? And you go to seemingly an innocuous cabin. There's nothing there's not cobwebs, there's not strobe lights, there's nothing. It is 
a modestly decorated rustic place that has a 40s to early 50s sensibility to it. Mm-hmm. And Some dude tungsten lighting books on the shelves. It's yeah. kind of like my house. Kind of like your yeah yeah you know what but but like if I were to come into this and I've thought about this place I've thought about the aesthetic of your place before mm-hmm. and if people were to think about you're like a really big uh, horror fan which you are you're the biggest horror fan I know and uh, you you are a, a, a gothic lady. I have a whole bunch of things that I like to call you uh, in text messages. <laughs> yes. Um, that are basically just like you being the most goth person I know. And um, I think about your place and I'm like, it has, it's homey, it's nice, it's super clean. Um, but there's. It's not that clean. It's super clean, guys. I'm not don't, that goth. don't listen to her. You're goth enough. Yeah, I mean, you're not like fucking like Elvira, but I mean, you're, you're a, a, a very classy lady, a very classy goth. Um, but your place kind of is creepy and I feel like, (laughs) I feel like if, um, if I was unnerved or scared at all, like if I were to come into this house and it was abandoned and it was just, this was the house, I would probably get unnerved, especially by like the old pictures of your family everywhere and thing that has, that has like the creepy sensibility to it. This plays some old music, um, and there's just dummies around. So like you're looking at this place and like, okay, there's dummies around it's a haunt for sure there's it's set up to be a haunt part of me thinks it's not this i think this is just the doll girl's house and her husband the fucking dom just finished cooking dinner and we're like oh the bus is pulling up we better like scatter well i'm not saying it's not a functional home because it's clearly a functional home we don't know where the fuck this place is it is pitch black everywhere they've been driving in the middle of the backwoods for who knows how long but the point is, is like this place has been set up with, um, with like construction lights in certain areas, and there are people here. Yeah, there is definitely people in the haunt, and we are waiting. But the the beauty of this scene, my point being, is that this entire buildup of this haunt has been so steady, and ramps up so extreme that you know that the second you've been put down into the epicenter, the beating heart of this blue skeleton haunt, whatever it is, it doesn't matter at all what this building looks like. It is going to be the scariest fucking place you've ever been in your life because you are already scared. Yeah. That tells you everything you need to know about fear, everything you need to know about the psychology surrounding the tension that they've experienced this entire journey. It could have been a brightly lit pasteled decorated place and it would still be terrifying because they don't know where they are they don't know how they got there they don't know where their friends are they're They're, all separated they're all separated and they're sort of like experiencing the same exact same location under different circumstances one is left to roam around and it's creepy music and he can't hear anyone else and it's he's alone and in this abandoned place another one is in the pitch dark with a glow stick which I joked many times about wanting to put a little face on the glow stick <laughs> because it's pitch dark and that's all we, we can see. One of them is trapped in a room entirely and can't get out. Mm-hmm. And those are all such little subtle things. Mm-hmm. And being mm-hmm. separated from your friends, being in the dark, being trapped. And it's done subtly. There's nothing popping out at them. There's no actors harassing them much. It's these like really subtle things, but like you said, they're already scared. The first time that one of them sees the other person, they see Mikey in that two through a two way mirror. Mikey mm-hmm. is like just freaking the fuck out. He is trying to break 
the anything he can down with a chair. He's trying to get out of this fucking room. Um, you see that somebody is coming in the door, and they're uh, they're th- uh, Jeff or whatever is trying to, or Bobby is trying to say like, look out, look out behind you or whatever. And the, those like lights all go black. We don't know what happens to Mikey. Um, we see that Bobby gets encountered by one of the haunt workers and we're not sure what happens to him. We hear some shink noises. We hear something. Quite a few. As horror fans, we know what that sound effect means. It means he's being knifed. But we can't see it. But we can't see shit. But then the camera goes dead and then we're back. We're back to where we started. We're back with Brandy getting put into a trunk and driven somewhere. Which is so fun about this film is that you completely fucking forget that you saw that until you see the exact same frame and you're like, oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, poor Brandy. And then she awakes inside a plain pine box and with fucking entrails in it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden she hears a telltale sound. Of dirt being dumped onto it. We also see internal cameras uh, from Mikey and Jeff. We see that they are also in caskets. Yeah, nice, soft, silky caskets with nice white bedding while our pal Brandy is in a pine box. With entrails in it. What, what the if, fuck? What if, like, seriously, she's the one that gets cornered in the bathroom. She's the one that gets, like, alone she on the, the bus. She was the most polite to the haunt workers, too. She didn't try and pick up their daughters. She didn't try and, like, she wasn't, like, up against them, chest to chest, yelling. Yeah. She wasn't climbing up and trespassing. She was abiding by all the little rules as a patron. She was the fucking nicest one to all of them. And she gets a pine box? I think, like, it would probably... If I were to think narratively speaking, I would think that they were being shittier to Brandy because she's a woman. I don't know why. I guess so, because the guys can't see this treatment, so they're not doing this to affect the guys, yeah. which is sort of like when they cornered her in the bathroom, when they brushed her cheek, it's like... On one hand, you can be like, oh, they're just being creepy to her because she's a woman, or they're doing those things specifically to raise the hackles of her male friends. Especially when they when they separate the three men from her. You don't know what the fuck they're going to do to her. Like, probably yeah. nothing. But, like, we don't know that. They've already cornered her once. Yeah, and... they could have been, like, separated them and get her in the bus and be like, this is going to be so fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah. Or something. But, yeah, that is specifically to yeah. get them all very agitated and worried for her. But they can't see that she's in a pine box. Yeah. They can't see that they have it better than her. And they can't get upset that she has it worse off than them. Yeah. So they're just being shitty to her. They definitely are being shitty to her. Maybe like from a production standpoint, maybe... Well, cask- look, caskets are expensive. Caskets and, are expensive. And, and maybe she, it was like Brandy's the smallest, the pine box is the smallest, therefore she goes in the pine box. Um, but- and I also like personally would prefer a pine box, but... By comparison and what they're doing with this narratively, like you said, mm-hmm. they're just being shitty to her. So. Yeah, the, it's the entrails. It's the fact that there's entrails in the fucking casket that makes it so shitty. As these three characters are screaming and struggling for their lives, we cut to one of the haunters just sort of looking towards the camera with his arms crossed while these people are being buried credits now 
This is my question to you, and this is my overall question about this film. Is this a haunt, or are these people dead? I don't know. Me either. And I'm, but I'm pretty sure they're dead. I think that you could argue it up and down both ways. But I will say things because I'm also in the camp of they're dead. The reason why I say that is because things sound effect wise, camera angle wise, it seems to be that two characters have been actually murdered. Yeah. And if they haven't been murdered, what happened to them? Where are they? Are they sitting in the bus going, this is so awesome, you guys? Yeah. And I mean, uh, burying someone alive is extremely dangerous because if they run out of oxygen and the the way Brandy was freaking out. Yeah, she she, could be going into shock and run out of oxygen a lot quicker. and, and, And I was like, oh, is there, and when they were burying her, I was looking for like, is there like a tube or something where like there'd be some air getting fed to the casket or something? So it's just the psychological sensation of dirt being put on a casket while you're inside it. Which just... someone can that can someone can go definitely into a panic attack. Exactly. And die. Yeah. With but, that claustrophobia. But um no. It and, and so I, I'm thinking, so what happens after credits do they just quickly unbury her, pull her out and be like, you survived the blue skeleton, here's your T shirt. Or and then and then like uh Zach and uh and and Bobby come out of the well, corner like, oh we were in on it. We had to be, I'm sorry, like like At that, that point, you had said, like, who's paying for all this? Who's paying for all these hundreds to pull this shit on yeah. them? Wouldn't they have to be paying some nice bucks to be put through this fucking shit? Yeah. So what, they get out, they, they get unburied, they get their t-shirt, and they get a bill for 800 Holy bucks? fuck. Because, like, right? Who's paying for the gas, the mileage, like, all like, the labor? That's why I think that they're just dead, because all those little tidbits, those breadcrumbs that we're filled with, telling us how many haunt workers were fucking unstable Mm. deranged killers no background checks Mm -hmm. it could be just an excuse to kill people and that's where i was reminded of the film that we did a little while ago on the show called uh, mimesis Mm -hmm. right the the um uh life imitating art type deal yeah these haunts are legitimate haunts with people who are casually working there but within those haunts there are workers who are part of a secret group of haunters that use this and this idea of the blue skeleton. The blue skeleton isn't a haunt. It's a murder game. And it is only for the people who are the haunters and they convince people or like they somewhat allude to people that this is just the most extreme haunt you could go to to get victims to go to it, they drive them out into the middle of nowhere, and then they just murder them. Yeah. And that is what this is. And, of course, they don't need to be paid to do this because they're stoked on doing yeah, this. Yeah, this this is like they're, like, uh, they might even have to pay. It's punching someone in the dark. It's punching someone in the dark. A victim's crime. <laughs> um, no, uh, I wonder, all through this film, because there were so many indications that this is beyond haunting. They're being stalked like yeah. prey. But then it's so ambivalent because of the fact that the haunters are still adhering to the rules of the haunter. They're not touching them. No. Even, even and in the... they were 
even though at first I was like, so he got up there with a megaphone. Is that cause to get this upset with mm-hmm. these fucking nosy kids? It's not really, but they did cross the con workers. They did. Subtly, uh, but se- they did. Several occasions. Now, it could be just by virtue of the fact that they had a camera, they were asking questions. This is what gave them the attention that they wanted to at least participate in the blue skeleton. Oh, you want extreme haunts? Oh, you were looking for the most extreme haunt experience? That's how come we're going to choose you. Like It could have been a completely random. It could have been any group of people. But it would have to also be people going on haunt tours. Because if you just went like, we're going to a haunt. And you go to a haunt. Well, that was fun. Let's go home now. You, like you wouldn't go to haunt forums. You wouldn't like fucking go to multiple haunts trying to find this show. You wouldn't care. So yeah. it would have to be a very specific set of circumstances. You would already there have to... always because any carnival worker has their own tips and tricks to spotting the mark, and they can all see them, and you can see them see them. If you're sitting back watching them mark the marks, <laughs> you can see them do that. So it's the same sort of technique. Maybe they're like, hey, we've had guy this guy asking questions at our haunt, and we saw the, so him posting the same sort of questions in the forum. Did you see him at your haunt? And like, yeah, we totally did, and him and Brandy and stuff, and they start exchanging information in the underground. I, I'm assuming that that's how that happens because you're right. It couldn't just be like, oh, Lydia and Wes go to Sandra's farm and then get dragged off into a school bus with bags over their heads. Like, it would, you would be noticed. Mm-hmm. So they've definitely done their homework and followed them and they've made themselves easy to follow. Like, mm-hmm. we've called them stupid enough times. And the, like, like driving around in the biggest fucking car in the county, right? Like, you just. Yeah. This giant fucking RV. You're all loud. You're all obnoxious. You have cameras. Like, you are so easy to fucking spot. Anytime you stop at a truck stop, anytime a diner, if you, like, we're, we're in the middle of nowhere. You're in the middle of nowhere in a fucking driving fortress. In On their territory, too. Yeah. Because if they know the countryside, they know the back roads, they know the ways to get from one place to another it seems that they work at different haunts the same way carnival workers work at different carnivals and fruit pickers work at different fields and all those sorts of things. It's that underground of that specific industry, right? Mm-hmm. So I really think that they wouldn't have been so off the beaten path in their in the minds of the haunt workers. Mm-hmm. Very easy to follow. And they could have easily stayed a step ahead of them too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think that's how that network would have worked because... Yeah, after they're at like the third haunt pissing people off, then we start seeing people from the first haunt that have mm-hmm. come and caught up with them. I even thought for a minute, I was like, is this an example of them having identical costumes? So it's not the mm-hmm. same haunters, it's just the same costumes. Fuck costumes. You know what? I want them to be supernatural creatures. <laughs> and they travel in tunnels underground, graveyards, and they just pop up in unused caskets. <laughs> That's kind of cool, actually. Maybe, maybe... They were buried alive to become haunt workers. Mm. Or maybe they were previous victims of the blue skeleton and now they're like forced to be part of them. You know who would have to ask is Chris. Chris and Luke both have paid more attention to like more extreme in the the underground haunts and stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. like extreme uh, escape rooms and stuff like that in the states because we don't have we don't do anything fun like that here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Like we talk about escape manor like every fucking show. 
basically. Because it's next door. It's next door. <laughs> yeah. And Saunders Farm today. But, like, they have way more choice mm-hmm. in the States for sure. And they've definitely paid more attention to that sort of shit than us. Yeah, absolutely. Like, thanks to our winters, like, there's a lot of times where things just have to shut down around here. Like, my entire body. Yeah, I know. (laughs) But it definitely raises some interesting questions. And I think that if someone wanted to believe that these people went looking for the most extreme haunt experience and found it and then walked away from it the next day, you could argue that. And I think that also if you want to believe that people went looking for the most extreme haunt experience and met their deaths, the ultimate fear experience. Um, I would think that that would also be accurate too. It's a perfect ambiguous ending. Yeah. It really, really is. Unless you're that convinced one way or the other. Yeah. And I'm sure there's people that watch this and read it one way and will not entertain any other I think if we've done anything and someone has watched this movie and had their mind made up through the whole thing and didn't realize it and then to consider possibilities Mm -hmm. of the end Mm -hmm. anyone that was convinced that they died might have you know a little bit of a rethinking to do yeah I still think they died I'm not going to rethink that at all I think I think that they died too but just because and the only reason why is because I'm falling into the old habit of it's a horror movie it's a horror movie and horror is about death <laughs> i but, think i'm falling into the fact that they hire a bunch of fucking killers but uh, yeah but but then i think to myself wait a second it's a horror movie that means it's supposed to frighten you and it's supposed to make you think and it's supposed to twist you psychologically and so i think that you can have fear without death and so they could very well be alive hmm. you're a friendly guy of course I'm a, a friend. nice, friendly guy. Mm-hmm. Huh. What do we got next for him? Coming up next, we're going to pull our stupid RV off to the side of the road and check into Motel Hell. I'm excited about this one. Me too, because our next stop is Bates Motel. Oh. <laughs> yeah. We're going to go on those little back road, side roads and find the worst fucking places to stay. At least they have showers, right? There's definitely that. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for Motel Hell. <laughs> I'm pretty excited for Motel Hell. I'm very excited for Psycho. It's about time we tackled some Hitchcock up in here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're going to be heading into some Canadian and black and white and weird, weird-ass shit is what we're doing next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Speaking of weird-ass shit, how does your chair feel? It feels pretty good. Yeah? yeah. I, I heard that it had been invaded. It had been invaded. It had been invaded. I didn't clean it. Well, that's fine because I don't fucking believe you really clean anything around here. You know that me when I said that your place is really clean, I was lying. Yeah, who do you think cleans it? Little owls. <laughs> I think uh, Bone Saw cleans it. Bone Saw cleans with it with his little puppy bone hands. Little puppy bone hands. <laughs> like he ties a little broom to his little tail. Yeah. He doesn't have yeah. a tail, Wes. He's a fucking skeleton. He does that dog thing where they rub their butt along the floor, but he's got like a fucking uh, disinfected rag there, and he just like drags along the floor. Oh, I'm fine with that. That's perfect. Yeah, that's exactly how the house gets cleaned. And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.